Welcome back to Love in the Time of Climate Change. This is episode three of our eight-part series, which is meant to be listened to in order. I'm your host, Rosina Conchwala, writer and producer of this series. And I'm your co-host, Albert Arevalo. As usual, we'll feature a scene from the play, followed by a talk with a special guest. Today, we will be interviewing Christy Drutman, also known as Brown Girl Green, who will share her insights on dating amidst the climate crisis and how she uses social media as an educational tool. We hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Eco Spritz, deodorant for happy pits. Head to ecologicprograms.org slash store to make your natural deodorant purchase today. Shipping is only available in the U.S. Well, let's get started. I'm excited to hear more about the ongoing adventures of Isla. In episode one, we met Isla and learned about her feelings of dread because of the climate crisis and her not-so-stellar options on Tinder. In the second episode, Isla attended a climate support meeting where she met a climate activist who caught her fancy. But somehow, she agreed to a date with a climate denier. And she accidentally lined up a few other dates. So let's check in on Isla as she's getting ready for her dates. I can't believe I swiped right on so many people. I must have been in my depressed state and figured anyone was better than being alone. But now my calendar is booked with dates this week. And the weather is horrendous and unpredictable. I can't tell if I should be layering up or layering down. It's like hot air and cold rain falling horizontally. How is that even possible? I don't even think I can fit into my outside pants anymore. Oh, and I definitely need to reapply my Eco Spritz deodorant. Need that natural deodorant to last me through these dates. Maybe I should wear a dress. Not because I'm trying, but because that's all that'll fit me. Will it look like I'm trying too hard? I was so ready to be done with quarantine, but now I just want to stay home in my apartment, finish my painting, water my plants, but then I'll never meet anyone. At least I had that excuse before. I just need one date to be normal. Just one. That's all it'll take, Isla. You can do this. Isla walks to the cafe with an umbrella in hand that ends up flipping up, serving no purpose as she gets drenched with the horizontal rainfall. She wonders how come they haven't managed to create umbrellas that actually work. It's 2021 already. She arrives to her date very disheveled and takes a quick look at Tinder to make sure her date is the nervous-looking guy sitting at the table biting his fingernails. Isla approaches him with a skeptical look and sits down. Hi, how are you? Um, good. I'm just a little nervous. What's the worst thing that could happen? Um, I could poop my pants. Yeah, that does sound like it would be the worst thing that could ever happen. Sorry, who talks about poop on a date? Apparently you. Thank you. Next, let's try date number two. So what's your superpower? Like, what would my superpower be if I had one? No. Like, what's your superpower right now? Do you want to know mine? Yeah, of course. I can change things when I sense danger. See? These glasses? When I step outside, they become sunglasses. 
I can change my vision. Um, so you have transitional glasses. No, I can activate my power when there's danger. Um, well, let's see. There's no danger right now. You'll have to stick around to see my superpower in action. <gasps> oh my god, that bell! Did you hear it? That's danger! Do something about that! What bell? I didn't hear anything. Thank you. Next. Take three. Let's see what date three is all about. Isla is waiting for her date as she keeps looking at her phone, wondering where he is. Where is he? Either my date stood me up or he took the subway. Oh, a text from him. Let's see what he has to say. Was supposed to fly in today to meet you, but the hurricane down in Florida means all flights are canceled. Sorry, I won't make it today. Rain check? More like hurricane check. Get the climate lingo right. Ugh, great. Thanks, climate change directly impacting my dating life. What if he was the one? Thank you. Next. Hey, good to meet you. Oh, let me just check in and let my peeps know I'm here. I just checked Yelp on my way over here, and their avatos is supposedly amazing. It's avocado and toast. Kinda standard and $18, but sure, let's get that. Uh, where's our waiter? Garçon, let me tweet at this restaurant. Maybe then we'll have better service. When they finally get their food, which was not after a long wait, Isla's date is much more into his phone and posting a photo of his food on Instagram than he is with Isla. So can I see your picture? Well, I'm going to dig in. So what's the longest you've been without your phone? Sorry, did you say something? Can we get the check, please? Do they accept Bitcoin here? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's cash or credit only. Ugh, so old-fashioned. Okay, you'll get the bill this time. I'll demo you later. Thank you. Next. They say dating is a numbers game, but this isn't dating. This is bullshit. And now I still have to meet Brad? Ugh. I'd rather die alone in the climate apocalypse than with a climate denier with his head in the sand. Maybe I should just tune it all out like Sage says. No, I can't do that. Maybe I should try those pills Jared suggested. No, he's Big Pharma personified. The Green New Deal, though, that Aiden was talking about. Let me look that up. As Isla pulls out her phone, she sees an email from Aiden. He just invited me to a meeting with Senator Hernandez's office to push the Green New Deal. That's so crazy. I was literally just thinking about that. Maybe it's a sign. I wonder if this is a date. Did he only invite me? Okay, let me just get this date with Brad over with and then I'll get ready for my date with Aiden. I mean, lobbying with Aiden. And finally, let's see how our date with Brad goes. Hey, Isla. It's great to see you. Hi. So, this is your spot, huh? Yeah, I hope you're hungry. This place has amazing steaks and some even better salsa music. Oh, yeah. I could eat, though I don't eat much meat. You know, the environment. Oh, man. You're missing out. 
I live on meat. I can make you the perfect sous vide steak. What even is sous vide steak? No thanks. Greenhouse gas emissions. Okay, we can sous vide cauliflower for you. That's better. So, what'd you think of the Green New Deal? Well, it seemed new, and green is my favorite color. So, <laughs> did you even read about it? <laughs> I did. I'm kidding. I like the idea of leveling the playing field among different fuel types. Solar energy is cool. I can get down with that. Good. I'm glad to see you're coming around. Isla finds herself enjoying her conversation with Brad. Maybe he's not as clueless as she thought. He actually asks her interesting questions and wants to get to know her, unlike any of her previous dates. So tell me about yourself. What do you like to do for fun when you're not going to not salsa dance meetup groups? <laughs> I can't believe you thought that was a salsa dance meetup group. Well, to be fair, a little salsa dancing might have eased the tension in the room. Maybe I should start a salsa for solastalgia group. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. I'm here for it. So what are you doing the rest of the night? Maybe finishing up my painting. Oh yeah, you're painting. My competition for tonight's date. Well, I'd love to see your art sometime. Okay, sure. We should definitely hang out again. So, what are you thinking of getting? I'm telling you, the steak here is so good. I'm sure it is. I just stopped eating meat when I learned about the impact that eating meat has on the planet. Are you really telling me that if everyone stopped eating meat? We could stop climate change. Not necessarily, but I do think that's a big part of the problem. We clear thousands of acres of rainforests, which are carbon sinks, to raise livestock. Plus, so much of our agricultural land goes to produce food for livestock instead of for humans. It's a very inefficient system. Meat just tastes so good. Well, look, they have a whole plant-based menu and plant-based burgers. Try one of those. What would a plant-based burger be? Lettuce on kale? Sounds appetizing. No, no, no. I was looking at this beet lentil one that supposedly looks and tastes like meat, and only has a fraction of the environmental impact as a meat burger. You know what? I'm skeptical and already planning my next meal, but I'll try it. Cause you said so. You're gonna love it. Brad and Isla dance the night away, and Isla might be falling for this guy. Stay tuned to see what happens next time. This is almost making me want to go out dancing. <laughs> yeah, I'm invested in this Brad character. After all these horrible dates, Brad seems not too bad. Right. Climate confused Brad. Not too bad. That's how low the bar is. <laughs> well, let's dig into this episode. It is interesting that Isla was so skeptical of this guy and it turned out she had a good time with him. Dating is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Nice. Bringing back a 90s reference. Yeah, I hope people recognize the movie reference. But I remember my idea of being romantic in the 90s was leaving a note on my crush's locker in hopes that she'd get the hint. <laughs> well, our idea of romance sure has changed from paper notes in this digital age. Yeah, like COVID Zoom dates. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but when someone likes my Instagram post, I get excited. 
I mean, now the way I shoot my shot is just looking at someone's Instagram story and hope they'll get the hint. That is such a bulletproof strategy. If I ever heard one, Rosina, how are you still single? I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> but no shade. I would definitely do that too when I was single and just hope they'd notice. But romance now has been gamified by counting the super likes we get on Tinder. I don't even know if romance is the right word. Maybe just the act of dating? Yeah, well, whether it's dating or romance, despite everything going on right now, there's still this very real need for human connection. And yet, how can we even prioritize romance during this pandemic amid the ongoing climate crisis, all while our country is teetering on the brink of civil war? Yeah. One disaster doesn't mean another disaster gets canceled. And I think the same can be said even for people who are in a relationship. This pandemic has forced all of us to live these isolated lives. But one thing's for sure, I do not envy those who are currently single. Yeah, dating pre-pandemic was hard, but this is a whole nother challenge. You know, it's so funny because there was this meme going around, I think at the end of 2019, and it was something about how you're not just dating for cuffing season anymore, but dating to find your apocalypse partner. <laughs> so will you be updating your Tinder profile to be looking for an apocalyptic buddy? <laughs> not a bad idea. Doesn't our guest have some interesting Tinder stories? Yes, good point. Let's bring on our guest, Christy Drutman. She's a Filipina environmentalist and digital strategist based on Olone land, aka the Bay Area, who wants to educate the world one post at a time about environmental justice through her podcast and media series, Brown Girl Green. In addition to her environmental education outreach, she's got some fun dating stories to share. Welcome, Christy. We're so glad to have you on. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Christy Drutman. I am the host and founder of my own podcast, Brown Girl Green, but it's also a media series that's mostly on Instagram, but I also make educational graphics, videos, blogs. I try to do all the content to teach people about environmental issues, especially uh, environmental justice and the impacts it has on Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities. So I'm really concerned with diversity, equity, and inclusion within the environmental fields, in addition to, you know, obviously protecting our planet and protecting the people on it by educating people about climate change. Cool. Do you have any advice for environmentalists trying to date during this age of COVID, climate crisis, and the middle of a coup? It's a great question. I mean, I don't have a perfect answer for it besides putting yourself out there. I think this is the time for people to really show their personality, to talk about their values, talk about the world that they want to see, and figure out who in the world matches that vision for what they want to see in the world. And I think you can get a lot out of just having very in-depth conversations with people that you couldn't just because you were relying on being in person. And so I think there's a vulnerability factor and there's the opportunity to imagine and explore that imagination possibly with a potential love interest. So I think it's an exciting time for people to explore some fun options. Something that I've explored, and it's not strictly a dating app, but it's called Lex, and it's specifically for like femmes and women on the spectrum of sexuality. It's a forum for people to enjoy themselves in whatever way that looks like. And basically, I joined because I wanted to find other female connections to, you know, explore whatever that's going to be. The way the app works is it doesn't have any pictures on it. It's just text. So you can say like, 
I'm lonely and I want to talk to someone. Or you can literally just say like looking for X, Y, and Z in a partner. And you just get to know someone in that way. And I think it's a perfect example of what I'm trying to explain with how I think people could find love during this time is that you're just expressing your ideas and your feelings in a way that's not so extractive compared to some other platforms and times. And I think it's an opportunity for people to put themselves out there in a way that maybe they couldn't have access to before. Definitely sounds like the opposite of Tinder. Um, But speaking of Tinder, um, you know, I was listening to your podcast pilot and there you spoke about your experiences with Tinder and educating the men on that platform about climate change. Wondering if you could share some of those stories. Yeah, so I used to have a blog before Brown Girl Green that was all about my Tinder dating life during college. And I talked a lot about just like the different men I was seeing. It was like a really interesting time of me just like exploring what I was interested in. And basically, like you could change your Tinder bio. And this back in the day when like you didn't have any of the fancy stuff, I guess it has now, but you could edit your bio to say whatever. And I mean, I was like, okay, I could just talk about myself or I could actually use this just because I'm bored and want to see what people are going to say about climate change. So I changed my Tinder bio and I said, what do you think is the solution to climate change? And I was just curious what would happen. And this was like in 2015. So this is before like people were really talking about on social media. And I was just curious what would happen. And I got like a huge influx of all these messages from all these men. It wasn't even about like, you know, trying to hit on me. They were just like straight up telling me their hot take literally about what to do about climate change. And I was like, so some people would talk about like, oh, like solar is the way. Some people are like nuclear is the way. Some people were like, my family works in like the oil and gas industry. So I don't know what this like, you know, these hippies are talking about, about like creating renewable energy. And it was just so interesting. I was like, I didn't expect it. Um, And I realized that like, just by expressing myself in a way that was focused on like what I was passionate about, it like opened up a new way of thinking about dating apps. And yeah, and back then they also had these things called Tinder stories, kind of like Instagram stories. They don't really have it anymore, but you could put pictures for like 24 hours. And so I would literally take screenshots of like climate science graphs and put it on my Tinder story for 24 hours. And I was just like, what do you think about this? Um, And then I would just see what like guys would respond. And anyways, because of that, it was funny because there was this one guy who was straight up like Republican conservative and was like, I don't agree with you, but I want to take you out on a date. We were in Washington, D.C. and he was like an intern on the Hill or something. And anyways, we went on this date. We had this whole debate on our day about climate change. He was like, climate change is real, but like, how are you going to pay for that? Or like, how are you going to address that? So we had this long talk and we both realized that like in a weird way through this day, it was a weird form of diplomacy. We realized that like in a way, there's some things that Democrats and Republicans both want, like they want clean water, air in a good environment, you know, and obviously we want that too. But the way you go about that looks different on both ends. And it was really interesting to be on this date it created a form of vulnerability that allowed him to kind of like put down his barriers and biases, made me put down my barriers and biases. And we kind of just like 
had a really candid conversation and that really like opened my mind a lot to what else is possible about the climate conversation. And that was kind of like the beginnings of me realizing how powerful social media is because people don't think that like dating apps are a form of social media, but it completely is. And it has actual real life impacts because you may meet the love of your life. You may meet someone who like is going to like destroy your life, you know, through the whole range. And the goal, at least for some people, is trying to form a connection with someone. And so I think that already creates a container that like makes you think differently about how you talk to others. And I think I gained a lot of lessons from that as I've, you know, created Brown Girl Green, you know, two years later after that and was starting to think, you know, what other conversations could I have that brings people that would otherwise never be in this conversation to talking about these things. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, there's so many things you said that I want to kind of explore a little bit more. But one of our future episodes, we do kind of talk about talking, you know, across the aisle and kind of just finding common grounds and realizing that we're all kind of looking for these very basic things. And yes, like our political views might differ. But you know, at the end of the day, there are basic things that we're all kind of looking for. And so that's just fascinating. I mean, maybe I need to get back on Tinder to educate people about climate change, if not to find love. <laughs> well, it's, well, as you were sharing your story, Christy, I was reflecting on some previous dates of mine. And an unintended litmus test that I used on dates was just picking up trash from the sidewalk. And I would either get ill or the uh <laughs> but for the most part like people understood like oh you know you're just trying to show off because we're on a date I'm like no it's just a part of who I am but on that note how much of a deal breaker is it for someone that you're talking to a friend or a romantic partner to be climate clueless can you define climate clueless as in like they know nothing or they're like saying climate change isn't real because those are two different things I think saying climate change isn't real I just don't have the patience. I'd be down to be friends with that person. And if like they got super excited and let's say we were friends for like five years and within like six months after me educating them, they're like, you know, going to these like meetings, signing up for things, educating themselves, and then they're down for my cause, then yeah, we could revisit that. But like starting off, like no way. And something that also like comes to mind with like climate clueless or climate deniers is not just a romantic partner, but family, like people that you're stuck with, <laughs> that you'll see at Thanksgiving or holidays in general. Yeah, I mean, luckily, my family is overall like climate change is a big issue. Like even my like family who are Republican, they're very much like, you know, this is an issue, we need to care about the next generation. But it always comes down to how do we like deal with it? Like that's where the issues get stickier, right? I mean, at least I have family that like are at least there, like they know it's an issue. But then when it comes to like, okay, how are we going to like create solutions? Who's going to fund those solutions? Who gets the leadership in that conversation? I mean, that's when things get uglier and trickier, right? And I think that's going to continue to be an issue for everyone that's trying to like figure out climate solutions and bringing people across the aisle. Is that like, okay, we got everyone into the room. Now it's like, how do we come to a compromise on what these solutions are going to look like? Because people have all these like biases and misconceptions on like what what a green future is going to look like and some people love that vision of like things like a green new deal and some people are like 
no, I don't like that. That doesn't fit like what I believe in. And that's going to be an issue continuously to figure out how to communicate and break those things down for those people. Fair enough. Same. (laughs) One thing that happened in this particular scene was the main character, Isla, explaining to Brad why she doesn't eat meat and tries to convince him to try a plant-based burger. And I know this topic can be highly charged among environmentalists. You know, some say that you can't be an environmentalist if you're not a vegetarian. Um, We disagree with this because it just ignores so many factors at play, right? Cultural identities, um, you know, even plant-based meat companies and their practices. Um, It ignores the fact that some people just have privileges to be able to access certain nutritional food. Um, I mean, we can go on, but I'm just wondering how you navigate this topic as a vegetarian intersectional environmentalist. For full disclosure, I'm not vegan. Um, I'm like majority plant-based, but I'm not like totally there yet. And um, yeah, it's been a struggle for me and I'm not 100% plant-based because of health issues. I have digestive system issues, so for my health, like I just can't digest a lot of plant-based proteins. And so I'm like really not judgmental at all if like people eat meat or like are not plant-based. I think for me, like I always educate people about like the health benefits of like eating more plant-based and just talking about like, you know, this can taste good. Like, and I like try to introduce people to it that are like really skeptical. Like some of my family members are like really skeptical of like vegan food and plant-based foods. And then I like make them something and I'm like, yeah, that was a hundred percent vegan. And they're like, what? And so I think that's a really important way. Like you just always want to approach these things with love. And I think a big way is like sharing a meal with someone like if you're in a relationship or you're dating someone and you want them to like get to know plant based diets and maybe it's not a deal breaker for you, cook them 100% plant based meal and make sure it's bomb. And then you can just be like, this is what I used. And then maybe if they really liked how it tasted, then they'll make that dish. And then there you go. You just converted someone. My partner and I have been a bit more conscious about the effects our diet has on the environment. Any final words for our listeners about how we can all be better stewards for the environment? Yeah, I would say that like definitely increasing plant-based meals, I think is not only great for your health and the environment, but it's a great teaching tool and like the first step to bringing people into knowing about like how what they eat and how they live is connected to all these systems. I think it's a great conversation starter. Also, just like people being aware of like environmental justice organizations in their own communities, just like understanding like who are the most marginalized populations in your community? Are those populations represented by an environmental justice organization? If they are like figuring out if you could volunteer your time, reach out to those organizations, figure out how you can support because they are doing, you know, a lot of work right now to protect their land, air and water because they've been, you know, systemically disinvested in. So I think becoming more aware and doing some research into that can be really beneficial as well. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Christy. This has been such a fun conversation and we definitely want to end with a plug for Brown Girl Green, where Christy interviews environmental leaders and advocates about diversity and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. So you can learn more about her at browngirl underscore green on social media and at browngirlgreen.org. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that wraps up this episode of Love in the Time of Climate Change, brought to you by Ecologic. 
This play was read by Emily Collins, Rosina Conchwala, Caroline Howe, Suleiman Guadri, Nayeli Paleo, Albert Arevalo, Alan McQuinn, and Carmen Hernandez. Hannah Leibowitz Lockhart and Jennifer Haup are our audio editors. The theme song Soul Nostalgia was written and sung by Abby Peralt. Podcast graphic was designed by Fatima Nota. It's not you, it's me, these rising seas just some miles to last. Thanks a lot for listening. If you want to show your support, please subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast on social media and find us on Instagram or Facebook at eco.logic.programs. Subscribe to our newsletter, check out the show notes and give us a rating or review. Mm-hmm.